And it's like I told Wit after the first two years, you hired me for what's about to come. Because what's about to come is the hard part. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I don't know if I could follow that one up. Khalil Herbert is everything we dreamed of and more. Pete, nobody's <laughs> looking at your tweets. I love our guys. I love where we're going and what we're doing. We cannot stop fighting the good fight. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Get you somebody not... that loves spruce tips as much as Pete does. Why did I pick Pitt to cover 14 points against NC State? I'm Do we need to get better? You bet. And is that my responsibility? 100%. I want to know what you're drinking, Rob. It is roasty goodness, even though I was What's out. What's the percent on that? 11. Smells like you're drinking like a cleaning solution. We're going to put this old guy in a grave. The end has already been written. We just got to go through the hard part to get there. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. Virginia Tech lost to Pitt 47-14. to Robbie, give us a cheers. Well, that's a little bit difficult uh, in this particular <laughs> junction, but I will do my best. How about a cheers to Thanksgiving? And there you go. Hopefully some people are getting to see... Even even cheersing for Thanksgiving is not great because of COVID right now. So a lot of people aren't getting to see family members all the same. But family and friends and hopefully a food. lot of people can go eat a lot of food and get uh, a little banged up and try and wash away some of these woes from that game. But that's that's all I got on this uh, on this particular podcast for for a cheers. Cheers, man. Yet there wasn't a lot to cheer for this past Saturday. One of the nice things was we did get to hang out for for a couple hours. We I was down in the Virginia area, and uh, you came by, and we sat outside and watched some of the game, um, COVID-friendly, of course, uh, and had a beer or two. And basically, I don't know if we were pulling our hair out so much as just uh, absorbing what was happening and just getting frustrated, but... But knowing that it was going to happen, at no point on Saturday did I feel like we were going to win the game. No, it was interesting because you and I don't watch games live together anymore. So we're always reacting after the fact. And we spent now, we're in the sixth season of doing this podcast, how much you and I reacted to a lot of things very similarly as they were taking place, uh, I thought was was unique and interesting because it's been so long since uh, since you and I've got to watch together. So that was that was that was fun. Although the game itself uh, was not. No, no, we do have a bye this week. So thank God, uh, we're the only team in the country that's played each of the last nine weeks in a row, which is pretty astounding. And so the guys definitely need a break, and the fans need a break from watching the team. I think. Uh, it was a tough day. It was just a really tough day. The, the game did not go well, and we're going to do the game recap, but extremely shortened uh, version because I don't want to list all of Pitt's scores. <laughs> so yeah, that, That's probably good. Gonna, we're going to go through it quickly in a minute. For now, the news and notes, 2021 commit Sean Asbury, the cornerback from Stafford, Virginia, he flipped to BC this past week, putting – little bit more salt in the wound (laughs) of this season and there could be some more flips there were a couple guys that have signed their letter of intent with the team already but this flip especially from an in-state guy uh kind of caused a little bit more of a of a spike in in online activity and just people getting pissed again and 
how much more low can it go? I think or is what people are thinking. Yeah, I would agree with that. In 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 almost any other year, you probably could have digested it and and come up with some way to rationalize things. But in this particular instance, that is extremely difficult to do. It is because we have long been known for defensive back play. He's obviously from the state. We have a much richer history of it than BC does, and he still decided to go elsewhere. So what does that tell you? The player update for the game. We did not have Belmar again, no Waller, and this time no Doug Nestor, which was unfortunate. Hudson started for him. Tisdale was back and started. Crawford played, and Mitchell was back, which was a a bonus for sure. No Dorian Strong. Chapman and Murray started at cornerback again. And Trey Turner was off to a great start, but had to leave the game after his second touchdown catch. Uh, and it hurt the flow of the offense, obviously. He he was balling out again. So Pitt, on the other hand, was missing 16 players itself, but managed to overcome that fairly easily. <laughs> so we seemed pretty healthy, pretty uh, well staffed in terms of our team. Like we had a lot of the guys that are important to us playing. It was really just Nestor and strong that were kind of additions to the normal guys we've been missing, but it, uh, we just, we didn't bring it. We didn't bring it. Let's move to a good piece of news. Hokey hoops is back on Wednesday. We play Radford at noon in castle the game is on ACC Network Extra. I'm not sure what that means for viewing. I already thought ACC Network was an extra station itself, <laughs> the way that so many people can't get it. Now there's a you have to subscribe to subscribe to something else maybe, and then you get access to it. So we'll see. Well, I, my guess is that that's one of those, like it'll get picked up by a local channel in Virginia and in, and in Nova, but... I uh, I don't know. I, I would expect like Masson or or someone like that to pick it up for you guys. Me up in the Philly area, like I'm probably SOL. Yep. Uh, but we'll see if I can find an online stream. On Saturday, though, the Hokies play Temple. And Sunday they play USF. And that's in that preseason Air Force Reserve Hall of Fame tip-off tournament thing. Uh, that's up at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. So that should be fun. And I would... I absolutely believe I'll be able to get the Temple game. <laughs> yes, I, I would. I would hope so. And it, yeah, just throwing more insult onto injury of this year. And I've been to Mohegan Sun. I don't know if you've ever been there. Some of those um, places up in Connecticut and, and those areas are not the greatest casinos. But it could have been a fun trip for a lot of people. Except yeah. you can't go. <laughs> except for you can't go. So, uh, but yeah, that I'm glad the, the guys are getting on the hardwood. It'll give us something else to talk about and think about and watch. I'm excited to see what the team's going to be made of this year. There's a lot of new faces, transfers and freshmen. And um, we're not really doing a basketball preview this year or anything like that. We're kind of just going to let it happen. And because there's been so many questions as to how the season's going to look, will it take place, all that. So I'm just excited to watch it and react to it. And we'll do that on here. So we'll we'll get to that. I guess next week, yeah. um, once we're previewing Clemson, we'll, we'll talk some hoops and how they looked this week. And finally, before we get started, I just wanted to put out a, a, a language warning for, for the rest of this podcast. We normally don't curse very much, and if we do, we put the explicit tag. 
there could be some harsh language. I'm not saying there will or won't be. We're not going to try to curse any extra than normal, but I just wanted to put that out there. Luckily, I'm I'm in Ohio right now at um, you know my my wife's family's uh, house. We got we got four kids in 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 the house. Um, well, three kids right now. We had five earlier in the house. So. There's a governor on at least how loud my expletives can be, uh, so we have we have that going uh, for for the the hope that we'll we'll keep it relatively clean uh, despite emotion. All right, let's move into that recap of the game I discussed, the very shortened version. Like I said at the top, we never really seemed like we were going to win, but it was competitive up until the goal line stand in the third quarter. Unfortunately, after that. Pitt went right down the field, 99 yards and four plays, made it 33 to 14, and that was the nail in the coffin. And it ended 47 to 14. And um, my story of the game was just no offense, no defense, and no real fight from the team. Yeah, yeah, right up. And looking back at the scoring drives, to your point, now that we're doing a shortened version of it, it never felt good, but. Even after the pit TD at the end of the second half, it was a 23-14 game. It did not look pretty whatsoever, but we had hung in there. There were a couple long passes that really kept us in it. Two great catches and passes by Trey Turner. Uh, Two long, um, well, one a really long pass. The other one was a shorter pass to to Trey Turner, but a great catch, that leaping catch that he made in the end zone. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. But it was still in play, and then the wheels completely fell off. What I, what I thought most remarkably, going back and looking at the stats, we threw two passes in the entire fourth quarter of that game, and both of those came from Quincy Patterson on the last two <laughs> plays of the fourth quarter. So, uh, it, yeah, it was already not going well, and then Pitt just slowed it up and just, you know, slowed it up but stayed methodical in their drives. But on ours, just they, they just played it out and just drained the clock, and there was just there was never a hope after uh, coming into that, that third quarter drive where they, they had the field goal. Right after that, I, I thought it was, it was pretty much done. Yeah, it was a bludgeoning. Another one at the hands of Pitt uh, twice in three years now. Another loss of 21 points or more for Fuente. That's seven in five years. That's a if 11% of his games have been blowouts uh, just over his entire tech career. It's not good. It's really not good. And I, I oh man, I, I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss. We're going to get into how we feel about Fuente in the future and the buyout and all that stuff in a second. But we will go through some of what happened in the game in more detail just the the biggest thing for the offense in this game was the poor play on third and fourth down. We couldn't stay on the field, and despite having 6.9 yards per play and a decent amount of yards, we got killed 47 to 14. It's almost it's almost hard to believe you could have 6.9 yards per play and lose by that wide of a margin. And I guess it all comes down to the turnovers and that horrible third and fourth down percentage. Yeah, the third downs they'll go down for a long time as one of the most befuddling of play calls again and again, where it's third and long or we need yards and we run it up into the teeth of the best rush defense in the ACC and one of the best rush defenses in the entire country repeatedly. And 
Uh, we'll get into the Fuente comments about those, but it made almost no sense. Um, Hennon Hooker's passing completion percentage downfield was actually higher than the passes that he was throwing behind the line of scrimmage. The screen passes, it was almost hard to go back and watch and really see what was happening, but wide open people, he was throwing it into the dirt sometimes. It was, it just, it looked like mass just confusion and it, it looked like even more so than we already harp on this kind of thing, no identity to what we were trying to do on offense whatsoever. It was very discombobulated. That that That's for sure. And Hooker had... 313 total yards, two touchdowns, and the 69 QBR, like, that's not particularly bad, but at no point would anyone say, like, he's playing a great game. <laughs> it yeah. just, the statistics lie a little bit on this one. Uh, even the long pass to Mitchell was, like, woefully underthrown. Um, we watched that one together. We had fun with yeah, that, yeah. where it was basically a touchdown if uh, if the ball was thrown uh, deeper and into the hands of Mitchell and he didn't have to come back for it. Was that the one where Fuente said like his elbow was bothering him and that's why they put in Quincy? Is be- like I, I don't know. Yes. One of the excuses for why Quincy was in the game was because Hooker got banged up, that's his right. arm, elbow, something. And I don't know if it was after that play or a little bit later. I can't even remember, but... He didn't have a great game, and, and throwing Quincy in there, I don't know if it was for a spark. I don't know if it was because of injury, but it didn't really work much better. Yeah, well, it worked right afterwards because we did have the long drive for a touchdown after Quincy came in. So it, it But it was a, it was a one-drive spark, and that was all it is. And then at the end, he just got thrown in because, for better or for worse— you were getting blown out, and so why risk you know, your starting quarterback regardless of yeah. how the season's going? We mentioned how Turner was playing great before getting hurt. That was one of the few highlights for us. Three receptions for 74 yards and two touchdowns. Herbert continues to be so efficient. 73 yards on nine carries and 57 yards on three catches. He now has 1,100 yards from scrimmage on the year and essentially nine yards per touch. It's it's. I know his hamstring's been bugging him, but man, we needed some more touches for that guy. I, I know it's it's such a it's it's such a terrible situation to try and put anybody in because you need him out there and you need to get him the ball, but you also got to protect him a little bit from injury. Holston had nine carries as well, one for thirty-two. Blackshear, I noticed, did not receive a carry in this one. So, um, what we were saying on the podcast, and I guess what everyone was kind of saying, like Blackshear, maybe ain't it. Uh, Fuente also seemed to think that, and he didn't. He didn't really play much. I think he had two receptions in the game. Um, Quincy four carries for eleven. Statistically, I thought the offensive line was solid. Just four tackles for loss, given up, and two sacks. But overall, it wasn't a very strong performance, and it was a very difficult matchup. Yeah, and there was also a lot of pressure put on that hooker was able to escape from and make some plays out of a couple throws on the run uh he had the one where it should have been pretty much a sack but he escaped uh and was able to make something out of it so but overall that was not that was not the problem i think in this in this game was the offensive line was not really it i think there was there was plenty other things to to poke holes in yeah ultimately there was no creativity on offense little guts and anywhere from predictable to questionable play calls all night long 
Yeah, I would say that's probably the best way to articulate it. Predictable, yes, you knew exactly what was going to happen. We've Did been... you know that that um, fourth down play was going to go to Hooker and the shotgun? Oh my goodness! No, I had I, I couldn't believe it. It was really surprising <laughs> that that even the announcer called it out. Right? No, the announcer said this is what they're about to do, and. <laughs> yeah. it, and our announcer was not uh, uh what's his name uh, Romo. Wood? It's not no Tony oh, Romo, Romo, where there's always the clips of the him knowing exactly what people are going to do because he's played you know quarterback for a long time and understands the game. That was not it. It was just that predictable. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, defensively, it was a disaster. Pitt was missing three starting offensive linemen in this game. And they still managed to gain 4.8 yards per rush. And they're a bad rushing team. And 6.6 yards per play overall. How do you do that without three of your starting offensive linemen when you already can't rush the ball well? And then you had Kenny Pickett going for 404 passing yards. I just don't know how that's even possible. I would not have believed that as a scenario. But either one of those things before this game started. It just... It just is so beyond anything that should have happened. At one point, I tweeted out that Pitt had 452 yards of offense with 18 minutes left in the game. Oh, my goodness. That is simply absurd. Yeah. And then DJ Turner had a nice day with 184 yards receiving uh, against us, which that was it. I mean, it was, we only had two sacks. I think we had four total tackles for a loss. In the game. And the tackling. The yes. tackling, the bad tackling was back. Yeah. We had one game with decent tackling, and Pitt was probably the worst game of the year with regard to tackling. Yeah, the, the angles were bad. The tackling's bad. On one of the plays you and I were watching, I can't remember. I think it was a pass to, like, the outside uh, yeah, on the it was right. Yeah, like a tight end or something. Yeah, and three people were there to tackle him, and he skirted through all all three people, which on it, we it, were just like bouncing off of it. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't in. This was not like in the like center of the field where you got a little room to. He was like up against the sideline. Like you're yeah. you're basically like like walking a tightrope and have to avoid three defenders, and it seemed like not much trouble for him. Just an embarrassing performance by the defense. I, I know the guys are tired, and the one, the one excuse, quote unquote, I'll give this team is that this was the ninth game in nine weeks. Yeah, and Pitt was just off, right? Mm-hmm. So I will allow that to be something they were beaten up, sure. Yeah, but with Pitt missing that many starters, they're missing. Seven starters, mm-hmm. five on offense. To me, that more than negates the you know the tired, the beat up factor for Virginia Tech playing nine games in nine weeks. It should have at least been even. Yeah, there is no excuse for an offense missing three offensive linemen to gain four hundred four yards in the air and five hundred something overall. Like it is just inexplicably bad for for Jay Ham in this defense. Our ranks on the year, we're now 96th in the country in yards per play defense, 105th in total defense, and 97th in third down conversions on offense. So, um, yeah, so we got, I think that pretty, we got that going sp- for us. It pretty much speaks for itself. This was a good final thought on Pitt that uh, came from Andy Bitter. I'm just going to read it here. 
Tech tackled poorly all around, was predictable offensively, particularly in short yardage situations, and got run off the field in the second half in a scene that's been become quite familiar on trips to Heinz Field over the years. Oh, and all that happened against a decidedly average Panthers team that was missing seven starters, including five on offense. Yeah. And that that perfectly encapsulates how piss poor that performance was. And that quote's going to tie into some thoughts on Fuente that's going to get back to his post-game antics and his general, although fatigued, attitude uh, right now. But we'll we'll get into that when we get to the broader thoughts because I think it's 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 pretty relevant. So we are going to finish under 500 in the regular season for the first time since 1992. That is a a foregone conclusion. Sitting at four and five and Clemson up next, and then UVA after that. So well, there's one potential, which is this is think how sad this is after we had to schedule Marshall to keep the, the bolster. <laughs> oh God, Clemson has to cancel a game. And we beat UVA, and then we go 500. So um, Okay, that's something I hadn't considered. <laughs> but, but keep this in mind. After what just happened with Dabo, do you think they're canceling any games anytime soon after this no. past weekend with the FSU debacle? <laughs> also, do you want to be the first team that has to play them after that FSU debacle? Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, they are scheduled to play Pitt this weekend. Mm-hmm. So as long as that game happens, yes. we'll be safe from the initial wrath. Yeah, the initial <laughs> but, wrath of them putting up 90 points. Points on Pitt is, uh, and they'll only put up like sixty on us, so that'll be nice. I'm ready to take that first break, and then we'll hop into the Fuente stuff. Uh, Robbie, what are you drinking? So I am drinking. I said I'm up in Ohio um, with uh, relatives, and while I was up here, uh, we did in our doing, I guess, actively because it's not Thanksgiving yet, a beer exchange, and. One of the beers um, that I was given was Wolf's Ridge Brewing Beer. It's a honey IPA, which, um, you know, I was asked if I ever had a honey IPA before, and I haven't. There are a few beers out there that do have, you know, honey in them. And um, I think Hop Slam, most notably some years, I've always noticed, has a bit of that honey flavor in there, whether it's molasses or something. Um, And... Colossal hops, cosmic balance, stampeding finish. It's a 7.5% beer, 44 uh, IBUs, 12-ounce can. It's it's local up here from Columbus, Ohio, and it's delicious. I got to say, the the honey IPA is something that I'm going to keep my eyes out for. It's it's nice because it it really balances out. And one of the things I like about the Hop Slam most years when they, they do it well is that kind of balance that honey or sweetness gives to an IPA can be really nice in, in a finish. And, um, this is right up that alley. So it's, it's really good. I, I like it a lot. So, um, you know, Wolf's Ridge Brewing, it's, um, it's a, uh, it's good. It's called Victory Lap. I didn't hit the name, but it's Victory Lap. It's a honey IPA. Let's take a second to talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. The holidays are coming up and you guys are all going to need your alcohol for those gatherings or those non-gatherings. Even if you're home for the holidays by yourself, you're going to need some beer for you and the wife or you and your roommates. And so I would go hit up Downtown Crown for some wine, for some beers. You're going to get the help you need from their staff. They're always good about pointing things out and suggesting things based on your likes and dislikes. And same thing goes for Dominion, really helpful staff. And since the cases are spiking, 
with regard to COVID. They do have curbside pickup, online order, um, safe options for anyone to get their the the much needed alcohol for this hokey football season. That's exactly right. For for and if you're an NFL, there's a few NFL teams out there that are living in uh, in, in bad places as well. So uh, and and soon, you know, like it, the entire uh, NFC East. Yes. <laughs> um, well, it's if they if any of them win what four more games, then they'll be back to 500. So it makes us look good. So um, it's it's pretty aggressive. But yes, go pick up, be safe, stay home, get your beer, and uh, you know do what you need to this holiday season. Um, yeah, intoxicate by yourself and uh, and stay six feet away while you're in the store and you're good to go. That's right. All right, Robbie, let's move on to Fuente's future. Uh, just some of the post-game comments, Monday's comments, all that kind of stuff. Let's start with the post-game stuff. His comments were defensive. Some might say condescending, as a lot of his comments in the past have been. But the one that really stuck out was that's the most ludicrous crap I've ever heard in response to a very reasonable question regarding taking over the play calling. What was your reaction after, after seeing that snippet? Um, initially uh, angry to your point that it was, I thought it was a reasonable question. It's something after that offensive performance um, probably should have been, brought up after the play calling really didn't make a whole lot of sense should have been brought up. And this is not the first time this season that we've brought up uh, play calling in, in general. And a lot of people have. Um, so I was initially pissed. I, I also think, you know, it's fair to point out that we've, we've kind of, we've lost our rudder on, on this team and mm-hmm. he knows it and is equally as, you know, frustrated. It's, you know, He's not out there trying to lose games at this point. While we can talk about his and what a lot of people kind of allude to, his stubbornness may be leading us to that direction anyway. I don't think it's intentional, and, and anybody that does, I think, is you know a little bit ludicrous. So I think he's he's pissed. Ludicrous too. crap. Yeah, ludicrous <laughs> crap. But he was just not in like the right frame of mind at the time that he was supposed to be giving a press conference at one of the most critical junctures in his career. And uh, so it, it didn't come off well. And further to that point, what he did was now the media has always had a tough time with Fuente uh, and it's never been the most solid of relationships is how I probably characterize it. And I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but now he's pissed them off too because now they can't ask the questions that they need to that like their job is every fan it has been increasingly saying well you know should he take over play calling is that the problem what do we need to do there and he got asked a question that all of the fans are asking and that's your job as a journalist and a media member and to take that and try and throw it back in somebody's face like everybody else is insane when we all saw what just happened on the field, I think is extremely disrespectful. I'm, I'm fine to give people a pass every once in a while, but at that time it was not the appropriate. He just should have said, I'm not addressing that or any other way he could have said. Literally it. anything, but that's a crap question, you know, cause it's not, it, it was a perfectly fine question and it was such an immature response. Yeah. He is, it, it emphasized how stubborn he is to your point. 
and it, it quite frankly he acted like a baby yeah. i mean that that's that's a extremely immature way to handle that situation and comments like that aren't doing him any favors with the fan base now or with any future employment opportunities i mean that that just does not look good and he's he's essentially burying himself yeah. with the fans and not helping himself for his future like i don't know what and i understand he's frustrated it's a moment after the game but like you're a very much a grown man that can handle a question like that without kind of flipping out so i i i was actually a little shocked uh, to be perfectly honest but it fits with the way he's been contentious with the media over the past couple years it really does but what's funny is it doesn't uh, French, it doesn't sorry, fit with his own it doesn't fit with his own words because if you remember what law it was I can't remember if it was the loss um, last too week many or losses. yeah last week or the week before but he said well, you know what's going to happen no it was after the Liberty game he said you know what did you do after the game it was during the Monday press conference I think that they always have and he said you know I went home I checked my phone. I saw how much daylight there was left. Do you remember this quote? I saw how much daylight is left. And I took my daughters outside and played outside and said, you know, there's no complaining, right? That like, okay, that that's fair, but it doesn't fit with what you just said during that press conference to a reporter that sounded a lot like complaining, not to mention going into all the COVID stuff that everybody's dealing with. Like we all know it's hard. And quite frankly, he earned his way into people like Pat Forty saying that he was starting to earn very early in the season coach of the year recognition because of what he was having to you know deal with, and now he pulls out the trump card when Pitt's missing sixteen people in a game. And- yeah, that that's where it doesn't make sense. So he pivots now to the COVID defense. Um, what this is the hardest year to have a team improve. Uh, he mentioned it several times, uh, even on the post game and then into Monday, just how hard this year has been and blah, blah, blah. And we know it's hard. Like this is why you get paid almost $4 million because you have a hard job and every team in the country is dealing with COVID. Maybe not to the same degree, but they're all dealing with it. And a lot of coaches aren't bitching about it. So I, I'm so tired of the excuses. This, this is the excuse maker. He is like, he has been making excuses since 2018. He, it was first, it was we're young, which is slightly valid. Then it was we're poor, and now it's because of COVID that we're not good. And the great irony was Pitt was missing far more and far more important players than we were in this game. Not a great time to complain about COVID. Yeah, and this came up on another – somebody sent a post out there, and I don't remember who it was, but I thought it was – it was a nice way to humanize what's happening right now because everybody's very angry, and luckily we've had a few days to chill out and kind of think about it. He just looks unhappy, miserable, and just Absolutely and un- unhealthy at this point. It's just he he doesn't look good. He doesn't look like he's having fun. And trying to inspire or recruit or do any of those things, I, I'm not just somebody out there that's like, hey – this guy needs to be fired, get rid of him, blah, blah, blah. I'm not brushing aside the human aspect of it. I can't imagine how stressful it is. The fact is, is that some coaches have taken it better, and he has not because he's had multiple years of building up to this crescendo 
of failure that is all piled onto a very tough time in for all coaches that, and he does not do himself any favors. And we've said this time and again on the podcast, he doesn't do himself any favors with the media or the fans to build himself up the goodwill to have these kind of seasons. And I'm not saying that we should be able to put up with them or any of those things. I'm just saying that he doesn't have that clout with the fan base that they're going to go to his defense because he, he never built that up. He destroyed it. In fact, I I like that thing you just said, 2020 Virginia tech football crescendo of failure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's, that's that's a good way to put it. Uh, I did want to just talk quickly about he's made the excuse that we're poor and I, I, that was more of a reflection of the resources thing that always gets brought up is we lack the resources and those guys can pay more than us and et cetera, et cetera, that we've heard over the years. And I'm, I'm really tired of this. I know we're, we have this COVID shortfall in, in the budget and all that kind of stuff. Let's go back before that. Okay. I know that the SEC and the big 10 have the big TV contracts and they make a ton of money on top of their regular revenue that helps them along. And they can figure out ways to pay Eli Drinkwitz $4 million, and they can pay uh, Mel Tucker $4 million up at Michigan State because they have all that extra TV money. But where the poor argument and the resource argument goes out the window is when it comes to a basically all-conference schedule. Like, we're not playing anyone but Liberty, who they lost to, but look, this is a year where we're only playing ACC teams. You can't blame a loss to Wake on lack of resources. You can't blame a blowout to Pitt on lack of fucking resources. This is so aggravating. I don't want to hear the money argument yeah. uh, with regard to before the season and how we were and like not being able to have the recruiting stuff. Good coaches find a fucking way to do it, and they don't fucking complain about it, yeah. all right? There are teams like Iowa State and Washington State who manage to play and play well doing more with less than Virginia Tech. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. So stop complaining about the goddamn resources and about goddamn COVID that has nothing to do with your shitty coaching and an inability to teach how to fucking tackle. Yeah, I'm so goddamn tired of it. Yeah, I had never thought of it that way in terms of the all-conference, but it's actually kind of funny and not funny in a good way, but funny in a way to actually think about it that way, that all those excuses don't don't work in that manner because outside of Notre Dame, FSU has no money anymore, right? And look what's happened to them. Clemson is obviously throwing it hand over the fist. Notre Dame's not even in the conference, but they are for this particular season. Outside of that, who are these schools that we're playing against that have money? Because they don't. I mean, yeah, they, don't. they, 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 they may have, and somebody will send us a chart with like the donation levels, which by the way, Virginia Tech has been moving up on incrementally in comparison to the conference and getting better in. But it's a, it's, it's a, a well taken and good point, I think, uh, to keep in mind. We are in so much worse shape now than we were when we had to make the Beamer transition. I, I, that's my opinion. And maybe someone could point to other things to, to why we're in a better situation, but on the field with the roster team performance, I think it's a far worse team and uh, roster and recruiting going forward than it was back then. 
And Devin Johnson, our friend who stepped in for me when I went on my honeymoon last year and helped co-host the podcast with you, he said, like, who would win on the field? A full-strength 2015 team or a full-strength 2020 team? And I thought it was a really interesting question. And I said 2015 hands down. And the reason being... 2015 to me was the great what if year because Brewer got hurt in the Ohio State game and then was out for a number of games. But I, I think we could have beaten Ohio State had he stayed in the game, first of all. He said so and sec- himself, and he feels pretty confident that they were going to win that game. It, yes. And we had Trayvon McMillan at running back, and we had the receivers, and we had Bucky, and it was a good team. And the defense was far better than the 2020 defense. So uh, it it's just interesting to think of it in that light. Like, where are we now? Where were we then? And unlike Buzz Williams coming in after James Johnson, who raised the program and left it in such a better place, Fuente has now left it in the fucking dumps, man. It, we are we are in a very bad place, mainly because of the recruiting, more so than the current roster, but also just the vibe of the fan base. Yeah, the fan apathy, and I know that's getting very, very used right now as a term, but... You, me, and Joe have been talking about the apathy over the last, the trend of the last four years um, in what's been happening and responsiveness and people paying attention to it and the number of people that have been lifelong fans just saying, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired of it. You know, it's just not, it's not worth my time. I have other things I can do with my Saturday. There's a lot there. So the apathy is one thing. The financial situation, it's funny because now on top of, you know, him, compl- it, it all, life always just comes full circle because his complaints were about the resources. And now to make the right decision, we're going to have to pay $12.5 million to <laughs> yeah. get out of that. And regardless of where that comes from, um, it's coming out of dollars that people could have given to something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. If things, things were going well and not every coaching hire works out well and these kind of things happen, but it's just funny how, the complaints to your point about the the investment and how the funds and all those sorts of things now are going to be if they weren't good enough before Fuente they're not going to be any better now it's not like all of a sudden it's going to be a renewed investment period into the program because people people are frustrated and that just generally aligns no matter what Wit does and he works his butt off to get donations in the door but he's he's staring up a a big hill once again, not to mention the deficits the program already has. And isn't it a coincidence that weren't we raising about $12 million via some big time donors <laughs> to make the improvements to the football facilities? Yeah. So, you know, you know where <laughs> that you know, number, uh, you know where that kind of comes back. Yeah. You know where that, that money's going now. And, you know, hats, well, hats off to the people because it's not I like you and I have talked about this. I donate a good amount in comparison to, to what I make, but it's it's not going to be us that rescues Virginia Tech out of this. It's going to be no. it's going to be six to seven to eight folks and and people that have wealth that put their money together. And those six to seven to eight folks that put their money together and decide to dig us out of this hole probably were the ones that could have paid for something that we really needed or wanted, and at least in the yeah. words of. Fuente himself. Yeah, so let's talk specifics on that money. The buyout is twelve and a half million today. On December fifteenth, it drops to ten million. Yep. And that would be paid in four increments of two point five million. Yep. And is that what you got on your end? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so to me, I know that's a lot of money and it's annoying and if it's more than annoying, it's awful to have to pay that. But barring wit coming to some kind of agreement with Foo before that December 15th date, that is the date to watch. Yeah. So he will not be here next year. I, I'm becoming more convinced of that by the second. So watch the date three days after UVA, I think is that date. And the only thing that could change is if him and Witt have a conversation is like, all right, we need to go our separate ways. The buyout drops on this date. We want to do it today. Let's cut a deal. I always come back to, yeah, I think, you know, it was a good point. You, me, and and, and Joe had a conversation about, and, and Joe brought it up, I think, and, and just like, you know, talking about like, I don't know what decision Fuente is going to make of just taking all of his cash or, 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 you know, trying to settle. I have no clue. I don't know what kind of person he is, where, what his, what his next steps are going to be. So right. we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And if it gets negotiated down to uh, a lower number, but I always, I always go by things that end up being correct. And for me, and I bring him up because I know you listen to him a lot. Stephen Godfrey is is from the area. He knows this area very, very well. And on the last podcast that they had, his commentary, it came up and it was like, should he be fine? And before the sentence was finished, he was like, yes, 100%. You ha-, he goes, you have to fire Fuente at this point. It wasn't like you should. It was just like you have to. So um, I would be... Yeah, it was pretty definitive. Yeah, it was, it was extremely definitive. And he doesn't usually go out on no. a limb uh, like that. And he knows this area, that he knows this recruiting area. He grew up around this area. He knows. He seems to have a pretty good sense of Whit Babcock as well. Yes. And um, so uh, it's to your point, and I know it's a long way of getting there, I would be astounded if, if Fuente is coaching this program next year. It, and, and I would think the only way that would be possible is to essentially gut the staff of almost everyone. I, I'm, I'm, I, and but it's not going to happen. Like I said, watch that date in December, and and we can just only hope and pray. Look, it's it's hoping and praying for like a a weird thing. You don't want to like wish a, no job on someone. However, I don't really feel as bad when they're about to get paid ten million dollars. Uh, some and has already made a, a crap load of money coaching this team no i i uh, feel i feel into oblivion yeah i feel worse for a lot of the defensive staff that's are just put in like a tough bind and we're not put in the best situation to succeed hiring wise or recruiting wise for that matter and in terms of the talent and you and i hit on the recruiting last uh, episode where i said you want to change the mentality of the fan base win it through recruiting because that that's really what's going to that's what's really going to suck after this whole thing is done is, you know, he, he, when Beamer left and people, we will always go back and say the recruiting started to fall off. You know, we, we weren't winning as much. Like we knew it was time to go. Fuente still took the players from Beamer and made it to an ACC championship. Like he did, he yeah. may have left it not in like a perfectly 
you know, polished gem, but there was talent on that on that roster, and there's still talent on this roster. The only difference is is that the recruiting never got solved, and in fact, it got worse year after year after after year, and that's going to be that's that's a big problem for us for the long haul. I'll I'll die on the hill that the problem at the end of the Beamer era was not talent; it was getting the players properly motivated week in and week out, which became difficult with a more elderly coach. And Fuente came in and was able to provide that motivation initially. And his message uh, is wearing off. His development never took off. And the recruiting completely fell off. And so it's left us in this position that, again, the talent on the field, while not amazing, is good enough to not get blown out by Pitt. It's good enough to go on the road and beat Wake Forest if properly motivated. And they're not. And they're they can say that they like the guy and they got his back and you need to stop talking crap on Fuente and all this stuff, but they're not playing for him. They're not putting out the effort on the field and they're not being developed properly. Yeah. I mean, at some point, the, 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 the what's happening on the field overrules what anybody else is talking about. And that's, that's pretty much it. It's, it's, it, it was funny. I was thinking about motivation and I know it came up today, but I thought it was interesting, but I, the whole like Northwestern motivation uh, off of what was going on with the Reese Davis situation. It just reminded me of this and people talked about it a little bit on a couple of podcasts, but just if you're a good coach, you just find like even stupid ways to get your guys motivated to win a game. And they, they, they beat up on Wisconsin and you know, it, it, it was just such a, a weird way to do it. But you you honestly have to be thinking about that all the time and that's what the great coaches do dabo does it by you know building that unity saban does it by always saying that his team sucks uh even when they like beat the hell out of somebody like everybody has their own avenue to do it i'm just not sure we have that avenue right and it's no. or have had or it. Fuente can't find the avenue yeah our motivation is always just getting our ass kicked and then like somehow you know at certain times bouncing back that's really been that's really been seemingly it that we've ever seen which is not a good place to be that's that's not how you want no. it to go let's take a second beer break and then get into these picks I am not having any beers tonight. I am not feeling at the top of my game after the weekend, and I will leave it at that. Robbie's going to have a second beer, though. All right. I'm having the bottomless coffee, Vienna lager with coffee. So I'm mixing it up. I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, obviously bring in some other beers outside IPAs and things like that. This is a land-grant uh, brewing company, and it's out of um, Columbus, Ohio. If you don't know Land Grant, I think it, most people are relatively familiar with them, but but maybe you're not. It's good. It, there is um, it's a lager with coffee, so it's a little bit more subdued, which I actually kind of like. Especially uh, it's a little later in the evening, and the the stouts with coffee, uh, you know, can be a little bit heavy hitting sometimes. And and now people are are throwing a whole bunch of bourbon into those all the time. So this is actually really nice. It's you know, at any time of day, drinkers, because it's a Vienna lager, but you get a little bit of that, that coffee in there, which I think... That sounds great. Yeah, I don't I don't drink. I know you're a little bit more of a lager fan. I don't drink straight lagers that often, so the additional coffee in there is actually... Um, it's really good. It's... Uh, I guess the name of the beer is called the Bottomless Coffee Vienna Lager with Coffee. 
Nice. I, dude, I want to try both of those beers you had tonight. All right, so first game we're going to pick, Notre Dame at UNC. UNC, five-point underdogs at home. This is a pretty big game. Who you got? I'm going to go with Notre Dame here. And and by the way, my picks have been absolute trash this year. Pete's almost – I didn't run your numbers this year, but Pete was creeping up on 60% on the year. I don't know where he's at right now. So take his uh, take his picks, not mine, is the way to go. But I'm going to go Notre Dame here. I think I'm going to take Notre Dame as well. I, I know UNC has played good at home. Um, I think ND is too tough. They kind of came out after that Clemson game and impressed me quite a bit. And I think they can cover those five points. NC State at Syracuse, another home dog. We got a 14-point line. Syracuse is the dog. I'm going to go Cuse. Uh, NC State, again, a team that has impressed me. And they they didn't cover, but they did beat Liberty. And in a game, a lot of people had picked Liberty straight up to win. Um, And they played well against Miami the week before. So I'm going to take Syracuse because I think this is the week where NC State kind of has a tough time in the dome. Well, and it's at the dome, which I think you, yeah. you, we talked about that. You, you won that. I had Syracuse going off of your theory about uh, you know just the, their their play in in our one of our more favorite locations in the ACC. That's right. Pitt at Clemson got a twenty four point line on the game. That's a little low for a Clemson line. Honestly, you don't get many Clemson lines under thirty, let alone under twenty five. I, I'm going to take Clemson. Yeah, I'm going to take Clemson as well. I think, I think that they showed the script. I think we have, um, I think we were Trevor Lawrence is coming back uh, for this game. I don't know if he was going to be back for the FSU game that got canceled, but uh, I have a feeling that they're going to be able to um, punish things in the in the passing game, which we were not able to to do. And I think there's a reason, a couple of reasons why this line is so low. One, because of Pitt's defensive line, and we know that Clemson's offensive line isn't as strong as it's been in other years. In fact, Travis Etienne, if you go to the top rushers in college football, his average yards per rush is sitting like 5.25, something like that. It's not in the top 100 rushers. Yeah. Now, now a lot of those guys have played know two games or four games but even in the ACC he's like not in the top 10 of rushers so his average is way down their offensive line isn't good as good as it usually is and I think that's why the line is so low and also Pitt just crushed us which on the outside looks really good but we know isn't worth much (laughs) yes I would agree with that but I'm going to take Clemson to cover Louisville at BC BC one and a half point favorites at home I think initially this line was Louisville favorite and it and it swapped over to the other side quickly. Uh, I'm going to take BC with Hawkins no longer playing. BC at home. I'm going to take BC. Yeah, I have BC as well. I would normally I would just tell people to probably take the over in this game. So I don't know I don't know what yeah. it is, but I have a feeling it's going to be a, a high scoring affair. Speaking of overs and unders, I guess that my, my thought that I would hammer the under last week on the Tech game was wrong. Yes. We did our part. Yes. But, but we couldn't hold up our end of the bargain on the defensive side of the ball. Well, I guess you could flip that and said they did their part, but we didn't yeah, do our yeah, part. Yeah, uh, I if don't you know. Want to reverse our that. defense didn't do their yeah. part, that's for sure. So Duke at GT. Georgia Tech, uh, one-point underdogs at home. That's kind of it's kind of curious. Um, I'll take GT. I wrote all these down before, so I had GT as well. So I might be setting your record on uh, on fire here and sending you down 
percentage wise. Well, there's so many, so many home dogs. Yeah. Uh, again and again. Um, UVA at FSU. FSU ten point underdogs in Tallahassee. I'm gonna take UVA. They've been playing well lately, and I I know they've had uh, a defection or two, some opt outs, a transfer portal. Important players too, uh, but they they've been playing well. So I'm going to take UVA to cover those points on the road. I went back and forth on this game because all this shitstorm that we've been talking about with this Clemson FSU thing, which I, I really don't care about. Uh, but I was thinking, is that going to be a distraction for the team? But I'm kind of wondering if it's going to make FSU be like, you want to come out and play well. So it doesn't yeah. look like, you know what I mean? Just for the optics yeah, you're right. uh, you're piece right. of it. I don't know, but I I, I took um, UVA initially, but I'm, I'm going FSU. I'm going to stay with UVA, but that's a good point. And the last game we're going to pick is Auburn at Alabama. Alabama favored by 13 and a half at home. This, you know, this is a small spread yes. for, for the way this season has gone, although Auburn has been playing better lately. Yeah. Uh, that rivalry, I guess. I, I, I'm going to take Bama. Yeah. Less than two TDs. I, I think I got to go Bama. I mean, if this is the year with all the crazy stuff that always happens with Auburn in particular, and then in this game, if there's a year that Alabama is really just going to be able to stop them, it's probably this year. So I think they're going to try and take yeah. advantage of it. Yeah. The, the thing about college football this year, at least my belief, is that there's about five good teams and everyone else is like a tier down yeah and alabama's obviously in the top tier and auburn while playing better is still just not that close and so uh that that's why i'm taking bama to cover well i always think about it like this like if you were gonna if you put northwestern right now up against auburn who would you take i'd take northwestern in a heartbeat with that defense and what they're doing neutral field yeah i think i would take northwestern i I probably would too Uh, they i mean they obviously just got that win over wisconsin which i i kind of saw coming i was i was with a a big time wisconsin fan this weekend my buddy mike and we're talking about the game beforehand and i'm like pat fitzgerald it's like wake against us like they play wisconsin really tough they just figure out a way to play and defend them really well. And they did it again this year. And I'm, I was telling them, I'm like, I like Northwestern to cover seven and a half. I think Wisconsin will win, but Northwestern will cover it. <laughs> and Mike, you got to love the fan in, in him. He's just like, oh, we're going to crush him. <laughs> and he's like, I think we crush him. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I would be a little bit more worried about that. Oh, if I were no, you. He was watching it on the other TV, I believe, is who yeah. you're talking Yeah. And yes, so yes. I met him and he had his Wisconsin gear on and – the good news is, or the bad news, like I was saying to you before I left, is he felt as bad as we did when I when yes. I was leaving. And so, worse, actually, yeah. he felt a lot worse. There was only there was only two TVs on, and all all fan bases in the area were uh, feeling terrible. Yes, yes. No, it, it, you know, misery loves company, so it was good to have him. Even even after you left late into the night, me and him were rehashing, it, and he's just like, I just can't effing believe it (laughs) It, like he was so upset like all night and that's what happens when you're undefeated Mm -hmm. and you think you're gonna go to like the big 10 title have a chance against ohio state and maybe make the playoff and then it just like crashes back down to earth we used to know what that feels like unfortunately we've taken so many losses that they don't really even bother us that much anymore (laughs) That's, that's about right oh man well that's gonna do it for the podcast we will preview clemson next week and uh i don't know try to try to find something fun to talk about 
we'll we'll recap some of the other games that go on around college football and then preview that game and hopefully hopefully there's some light at the end of this tunnel man i i don't i don't really know i want to i want to believe that we can still beat uva I, I know that we we can theoretically do it we have the talent uh it's a question of getting the guys up and that's not going to save the season but it would make it a lot less painful yeah let's let's hope yeah back to back i i mean after 15 years of winning in a row i mean it would be a perfect you know it's a flat circle for to lose twice in a row to uva on on your way out the door so um i'm i'm yeah. not trying to be negative but it's um the stars are aligning and not in a positive way no no they're not all right, you can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. It's 2DVT at gmail.com. You can email us anything you want, questions, comments, send us beer. We'll give you our address, whatever. 2DVT on Instagram. It's 2DVT on Untapped. And then make sure to like or subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out as well. And until next time, when... Hopefully you're you're feeling good after spending some time with family and friends and maybe getting a little drunk and, and enjoying some pumpkin pie. Go Hokies.